Just a quick heads up that I am currently on maternity leave, which means that the Fertility Co podcast is taking a break. But please don't panic because I'm already working on some exciting things behind the scenes. And when I come back, I'm really looking forward to sharing with you a brand new, completely free mini course all about ovulation and finding your fertile window. In the meantime, there are still heaps of ways that you can continue to learn about your fertility and your menstrual cycle while I take a break. If you're just getting started with charting your cycle, you can check out my free fertility roadmap. If you want to dive deeper and learn exactly when you're ovulating, then you can watch my Fix Your Fertility Masterclass. There is, of course, also my Conceive with Confidence workshop series and, of course, my flagship online program, Fertility School. If you want individualized support from a trained fertility educator, that's me, then you can book in to my wait list for a one-on-one consult. And I would love to work with you to achieve your fertility goals in 2024. Spots are strictly limited though, and links to all of those resources are in the show notes. In this episode, we're talking about hormonal birth control that isn't the pill, because believe it or not, there are some other options out there. I'm Rachel, and I am obsessed with all things periods, pregnancy, pelvic floor, and helping women just like you to navigate all of life's major milestones. I'm a physiotherapist, a natural fertility educator, and my passion is teaching women how to take control of their health. Fertility, pregnancy, nutrition, and menstrual cycle health, we'll dive deep into all of it right here. All those questions you've been secretly Googling, all those things you're too embarrassed to ask your doctor, because, well, we're women. Shouldn't we just know this stuff? So get comfy and get ready to finally have all of your questions answered. Hit subscribe now and let me teach you what they never taught us in health class. Hey, Rachel here with an exclusive invitation just for my podcast listeners. Desperate to ditch the pill, but the fear of getting pregnant leaves you in a cold sweat? Or maybe you want to halve the time it actually takes to get pregnant. You've tried all the apps, you're going through ovulation testing kits faster than you'd like to admit, and you have no idea if any of it is even worthwhile. If this sounds like you, I see you and I have just what you need. I am giving you access to my free fertility masterclass where I'll teach you exactly how to chart your menstrual cycle and identify your body's natural fertile signs so that you can achieve or avoid pregnancy naturally and without the stress. You'll learn the biggest fertility mistakes most women don't even know they're making, how to identify when you're fertile and pinpoint ovulation day without apps, testing strips or complicated charting systems, all in under five minutes a day. I'll even spill the beans on the one thing you need to get pregnant quickly and naturally or to use a natural method of birth control that is equally as effective as the pill. Even better, I will hand over exclusive access to my signature four-part fertility framework. Want in? Of course you do. To save your spot for this free training, head on over to fertilityco.com.au forward slash masterclass. See you there. Hello and welcome to episode 42 of the Fertility Co podcast. I'm your host, Rachel, and today we're talking about your hormonal options for birth control. If you know me at all by now, 
Hey, hi, I'm Rachel. You know that I will forever be at the front of the pack waving my pom-poms for using fertility awareness and charting as an effective and natural method of birth control. While I absolutely believe that you don't need artificial hormones to prevent pregnancy, I also believe that every woman is entitled to know all of her options so that she can make an informed decision about what's best for her birth control needs in her current season of life. So we're mixing things up in this episode and I'm talking you through the most common hormonal birth control options that aren't the pill. Now, you've probably been thinking that all this time I've talked about how natural birth control is the best option. And yes, like I said, I'm inclined that way because I truly believe that this little thing called fertility awareness is effective, cheap, has zero side effects, but I'm also all about education and informed consent. So I've shared an episode in the past all about your non-hormonal options for birth control. So in this episode, I thought I'd talk about some of the lesser known hormonal options. So I won't be talking about the pill in this episode because I think that it's by far the most common option for hormonal birth control. So if you're someone who doesn't have a great experience with the pill, but you want to know what else is out there apart from non-hormonal methods that I've talked about in previous episodes, I'm going to fill in your knowledge gaps with what else is actually out there and available to you. Now, there is no one-size-fits-all solution when it comes for birth control. It's an entirely personal choice, and I know that there are heaps of listeners of this podcast who use hormonal birth control, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I do think that the pill is overprescribed, and I hate that it's often prescribed to treat underlying conditions and not actually for birth control, because ultimately it's all about informed consent. And if you know the advantages, the disadvantages, the potential side effects, and you choose that it's the best decision for you, then that's absolutely fine. You are in the best possible position to choose what is right for you. In my experience, and I know in a lot of a lot of listeners' experiences, I know when I went on the pill, I wasn't educated about any other option. I was just given the script for the pill. So that's what this episode is all about today. So we are skipping right on past the pill because it has had its time in the sun. If you want to know more about the pill, how it works, its effect on the menstrual cycle, have a listen to episodes 19 and 20. It's a two-part episode coming off the pill and it is the most downloaded episode of the show by a mile. Now, instead today, we're going to talk about IUDs, hormonal IUDs, contraceptive implants, and Depo-Provera. Now, IUDs are certainly on the rise in Australia, so I really want to spend some time there, but the others I doubt you were probably taught much about in sex ed. So let's dive in. First, we have the IUD. Now, the intrauterine device is a small contraceptive device that is placed inside the uterus. There are two types of IUD. So the copper IUD is a small device with copper wrapped around its stem. And we talked about this type in episode 30. So non-hormonal options for birth control because it's a non-hormonal option. The progestogen IUD, more commonly known as its brand name Marina, is a small T-shaped device and it's got a cylinder in it that contains this progestogen hormone and that's around its stem. And so it releases the hormone levonorgestrel into the uterus. And this is the same hormone that the pill contains. And even though the IUD has been used for over 30 years to prevent pregnancy, how it works is still actually not fully understood. 
Now, the IUD has an effect on the movement of sperm and it kills it before it reaches the uterus so that it can't reach or fertilize the egg. And just like the pill, the IUD also changes the lining of the uterus so that it doesn't thicken to prepare for implantation and pregnancy, meaning even if an egg is fertilized and does reach the lining of the uterus for implantation, the lining's not suitable and it's not going to take. So it works very similarly to the pill and it's actually more effective than the pill. It's 99.8% effective and likely that's because it's a set and forget type situation. It's inserted by a doctor, it stays in place for at least five years and you don't have to think anything more about it. So it's it's not depending on you remembering to do something every day. Now, both the copper IUD and the progestogen IUD have these benefits. So it is effective long-term contraception that lasts for at least five years. It's easy to maintain. Like I said, it's set and forget. You can't forget to use it like you might with the pill. It's cheaper than other contraception. So it's more expensive at first to get it inserted, but then it's cheaper over the long term because you're not constantly filling a prescription. And if you want to, you can try for pregnancy as soon as it's removed. So your menstrual cycle and fertility often returns quite quickly once it's been removed. So all of these benefits are the same for both the copper IUD and the progestogen IUD. The progestogen IUD also has the added benefit of reducing menstrual bleeding. So this is really great for women who normally have heavy or longer lasting periods, or they've experienced this fun side effects with the copper IUD. Now, what about the disadvantages? So both the copper and the progestogen IUD have the following disadvantages. So the IUD may actually expel itself from the uterus. And this, if it's going to happen, it's rare, but if it does happen, it usually happens during a period. So you might actually not be aware that this has happened. And so it's recommended that you check that the string is still in place after each period. Most of your side effects here, or your disadvantages, I should say, are related to insertion. So there's a small risk of infection in around the three weeks after insertion. And because pelvic infections can lead to long-term problems and infertility, you need to be really careful about your protecting yourself from sexually transmitted infection too. The IUD may actually perforate the wall of the uterus during insertion. This is very rare, but you obviously want to be going and getting it inserted by someone who is trained to do so, and obviously not removing it yourself either. If an IUD fails and you do get pregnant, then your IUD needs to be removed as soon as possible because an IUD in place can increase your risk of miscarriage. There is also a risk of ectopic pregnancy, so the fertilised egg implants in the fallopian tubes instead of in the lining of the uterus, and that's when the IUD fails. So this is very rare with the copper IUD and actually even rarer in the progestogen IUD as well because pregnancy just isn't likely because it's so effective. You will potentially experience irregular bleeding or periods in the first three to five months of having your IUD inserted, eventually you are likely to have very few periods at all. And this is a contrast to the copper IUD where periods often become heavier and longer. There might also be a slight increase in side effects like vaginal dryness, feeling flushed, headaches, nausea, and acne. So who is suitable for an IUD? It's very similar to the copper IUD that I talked about in the previous episode, in episode 30. So women who are at low risk of contracting sexually transmitted infections, and obviously women who can't or don't want to take the pill. 
So you shouldn't use an IUD or it may not be appropriate for you if you are at long-term risk of contractually sexually transmitted infection. So you obviously want to be practicing safe sex there as well. Um, women who have any undiagnosed vaginal bleeding and women with pelvic inflammatory disease, again, due to that high risk of recurrent infection and potential impact on your fertility in the long term. So how is an IUD fitted? Now, before you have the IUD fitted, you need to have a cervical screening test and swabs to rule out any potential infection and obviously to make sure you are not pregnant. So you can choose to have the IUD inserted immediately after a period or obviously make sure you're using reliable contraception until it can be fitted if you know that you're getting it done soon. So how it's fitted is very similar to a cervical screening test. So they'll place a speculum inside your vagina, they'll clean your cervix with an antiseptic, and then the IUD will be placed inside through your cervix. So the string is cut so that it's well up in the vagina, so you or your sexual partner won't notice the string, but you may be able to feel for it, or you should be able to feel for it, if you reach right up into your vagina to your cervix. Now, again, to prevent infection, you can't have sex or use tampons for 48 hours after after insertion. So getting it done as soon as you've had your period is probably the best way to go there. Now, you should go back to your doctor for advice if the string feels like it's shorter or longer than it normally is, or if you can't feel it at all, because it means that the IUD may have shifted. And like I said, this is really common after your periods. So it's recommended to check the length of the string after each period. You should also uh, speak to your doctor if you have persistent low back pain or abdominal pain, especially if that is um, with a fever too. You also should be seeking advice if you have any unusual discharge or bleeding or you experience pain with intercourse, if either you or your partner have had potential exposure to sexually transmitted infection. And finally, you should book in to see your doctor for a check six weeks after it's first been inserted. And then you should be checked also whenever your regular cervical screening test is due. Now, Let's move on to the contraceptive implant. So you would be most familiar with the Implanon. So contraceptive implants work in a similar way to the pill once again. So the implant is a really small, thin rod, which contains progestogen that helps to prevent pregnancy. So the implant's about four centimeters long and it's made of plastic, like a flexible plastic, and it's inserted just on the, under the skin on the inside of the arm by a doctor or a nurse who's been trained in the insertion. So the implant will steadily release a small amount of progestogen and it can stay in place for about three years. So it needs to be removed at the end of the three years, but it can be taken out earlier at any time if you need to. So you can't see the implant when it's under your skin, but if you touch the spot where it's been inserted, you can feel it. The implant is going to be inserted under a local anesthetic. It only takes about a minute and removal is also done under local anesthetic. And so there's a small incision that obviously might leave a little scar. Now, the implant, again, is 99.8% effective and it works to prevent pregnancy by preventing ovulation as well as thickening that cervical mucus. So when you have the implant on inserted or the implant inserted. So you won't see thin, slippery, fertile quality mucus, but rather you're going to see that thick, sticky mucus that blocks the cervix and makes it, makes it hard for sperm to get through and actually fertilize the egg. So the Implanon or the contraceptive implant is really effective contraception that can stay in place for three years. So just like the IUD, it's set and forget. You don't have to remember to use contraception every day. It doesn't interfere with sex at all, it's low cost, and the periods should return quite quickly after its removal. 
Some of the disadvantages, though, are that women using these implants do see changes in their period. So most women will have less bleeding than before the implant, but some will see more frequent or longer periods too. Some women have side effects like headaches and skin changes, and one less commonly reported side effect is that the implant can travel. So I've heard some stories about them being found more down towards the wrist, among some other places, so that's something to be mindful of with this implant too. It might not actually stay in the same place. Women who might want to consider using the contraceptive implant might be those who want effective, long-lasting and reversible contraception, but they need to be aware that their cycles will change. And really that's with all hormonal contraceptive. It's beneficial if you obviously can't remember to take your your pill daily or if you can't take the hormone estrogen. It might not be suitable for you if you have liver disease, any unusual vaginal bleeding, if you take any medication that might interfere with the implant and it makes it less effective as birth control, if you experience blood clots, as well as if you can't take the hormone progesterone. Now, finally, the last option that I want to talk about is Depo-Provera. So again, this is a hormone used for contraception and it's given by injection and its effects last for three months at a time. So it's similar to the hormone progesterone, which we know plays its part in the second half of the cycle after ovulation. So when a woman has the Depo-Provera injection, her body senses the presence of the hormone so that her own hormone production is effectively switched off. Because of this, she won't ovulate. Her Her ovaries will not release an egg. And if you don't ovulate, you can't get pregnant. So this is obviously very similar to the pill. We don't ovulate when we're on the pill either. And Depo-Provera is also sometimes used in the treatment of endometriosis because your body isn't going through that menstrual cycle, which means that it prevents the inflammation and scar tissue that occurs with every cycle with women with endometriosis. So just like the other methods that I've talked about, Depo-Provera is once again 99.8% effective. And this is because, like I said, you don't have a menstrual cycle while you're exposed to these hormones. So that's why hormonal contraceptives are so effective. So instead of the hormonal fluctuations that happen before and after ovulation, your hormone levels plateau. They stay the same throughout your cycle because ultimately you're not having a cycle just like the pill, because hormones don't trigger that thickening of the endometrium for implantation, there isn't a buildup of lining that actually needs to be flushed away as your period. So you don't bleed much for the first couple of phases. After a couple of injections that last for three months each, you will likely stop getting periods altogether because there isn't that lining buildup to even have a withdrawal bleed. So some women will have really light and irregular bleeding, while others may have more heavy bleeding, which would then need to be need to be controlled with other hormonal treatments. So that's something to keep in mind too. Other potential side effects of Depo-Provera are that a small amount of weight gain usually occurs, although many women don't report this. You might experience headaches, abdominal discomfort, mood swings, and some women have reported reduced interest in sex, especially women who are prone to depression. So a small amount of women also experience other side effects that are annoying, but not serious. Um, Things like fluid retention and sore breasts as well. Hormone levels, like I said, are really low while we're using Depo-Provera. So there is some concern that long-term use can actually lead to osteoporosis, like brittle bone, something that we see in postmenopausal women. So 
It's said that these changes stop when you stop the injections, but as a physio, I do wonder about how much of this bone density we can actually restore afterwards because it's really hard to grow new bone ultimately. So what are the advantages of Depo-Provera? I've gone straight to the doom and gloom with this one. So like I said, it's really effective and it does have a very low failure rate. Um, for many women, the loss of periods is an advantage and they do experience relief from symptoms like period pain. So it may be an option, like I said, for people with endometriosis or people with really painful periods that aren't looking to conceive or conceive anytime soon. But remember what I said before, it's often these hormonal contraceptives that mask the underlying cause of these problems. So this should not be your reason for selecting hormones as an option, not to mask the problem. But if you know what the problem is, if you have, if you're aware that you have endometriosis, you don't want to conceive and you want to control the condition, then that's when it becomes a really good option. But you will need to deal with the cause at a future stage when you stop taking these hormones. And that's something to keep in mind if you plan to conceive in the future. Depo-Provera is also shown to reduce the risk of some cancers. So ovarian cancer, endometrial or uterine cancer, as well as endometriosis and possible pelvic infection. And like I said, an injection is given every 12 weeks. Apart from remembering to make an appointment, you're good to go. So no worrying about daily, daily intake. Disadvantages, I've already touched on a couple, but some women don't want to go to their doctor every three months for an injection. And there are some side effects that I've already mentioned as well. So once the injection has been given, obviously the hormone can't then be removed from your system. So if you decide that you want to stop the Depo-Provera injections, you ultimately need to wait for it to wear off and come out of your system. So for some women, periods can be quite slow to return after the injection stop, and that can be anywhere from six to 12 months. So it's something to be really mindful of if you are planning a pregnancy in the next couple of years. Now, these are the situations where Depo-Provera is not recommended. Um, any type of bleeding disorder or taking anti-clotting medication, any undiagnosed abnormal bleeding, a history of some form of cancers. Obviously, if you're already pregnant, you're not going to take it. And if you're wanting to become pregnant within the next 12 months. So it's interesting that that's in there as a specific recommendation because that to me tells me that it's going to take some time for your fertility return. So I would definitely steer clear of this option if you're planning to conceive in the next couple of years. So they are the three most common hormonal options for birth control that are not the pill. Um, you're probably familiar with IUDs, but I wonder how familiar you are with the others and how they actually work to affect your menstrual cycle and prevent pregnancy, because that's absolutely something I wasn't taught when I did sex ed many years ago. With all of these options, just like the pill, your body is exposed to artificial hormones, which impact your menstrual cycle, because you would have seen the theme that ovulation is blocked, our cervical mucus is affected, and our endometrial lining is affected too. So the time it takes for the effects of these options to disappear and for our regular cycles to return when we stop using them will vary, vary considerably, and that will vary between women and it will vary between your options as well. If you are looking to change up your birth control, then like I said, I would suggest listening to episode 30 for your non-hormonal options for birth control too. And that way you've got a really good idea of all of your options. And the advantage of the non-hormonal options is that if you are keen to start charting, if you are keen to practice fertility awareness, you can use these non-hormonal options while you're dipping your toes in the water without having to 
rely on artificial hormones because you can't really chart when you've got these artificial hormones in your system because you're ultimately not having a cycle. Now, I actually learned a hell of a lot researching this episode because these are options I was never really taught about, like I said, and I've never really investigated them for myself either because I've never used them. I went to the doctor, I got the pill, and then I stopped taking the pill and I started charting, and I've never really explored any other options. But like I said, even though I will shout from the rooftops that there are natural and effective ways to prevent pregnancy that are 99.4% effective, not too bad compared to 99.8% effective and without the side effects. But of course, I also want you to be aware of all of your available options so that you can make an informed decision about what is best for you. So I think there is a lot of pill bashing in my line of work. I see it every day, but the reality is for some women, it is the best option. So not that you need it, but think of this episode as permission to choose the option that's best for you. So not best for your doctor, not for your family and friends, not even your sexual partner. So how you choose to manage your fertile window and the method of, method of birth control that you choose to use is totally 100% up to you. And quite frankly, it's nobody else's business either. So discuss your options with a trusted healthcare professional, but make sure you have all the information you need to make the right decision for you at this moment in time based on your reproductive goals for now and for the future. So I hope you found today's episode helpful. I hope you learned something new because I learned a hell of a lot of new things in this episode, as I said, when I was researching. And as always, if you have a question you want me to answer or an episode suggestion, please send me an Instagram DM. I'm at Fertility Co. Let me know what you want me to talk about in upcoming episodes. Now, you can get today's show notes with everything that I talked about in this episode, as well as links to other episodes, as well as all of my freebies at fertilityco.com.au forward slash 42. Now, don't forget, you can also save your spot for my free fertility masterclass by clicking on the link in the show notes or heading over to that blog too. So it's on demand, it's instant access, and I'm talking you through how to know exactly when you're fertile so that you can, of course, achieve pregnancy, but also how to avoid pregnancy without relying on these types of hormonal methods of birth control if you want another option. I promise it is way less complicated than you think. Okay, I will see you in next week's episode. Thank you for listening. Bye for now. And don't forget that knowledge is power. And I truly say that from today's episode. When you truly understand your body, you are empowered to make informed decisions and take control of your health. Until next time. If you've made it this far, you deserve a huge virtual hug because you just finished another episode of the Fertility Co. podcast. New episodes are released every Wednesday, so make sure you hit subscribe now so you don't miss when the latest goes live. Why not make my day and leave me a quick rating and review while you're over there? If you want more, head on over to Instagram at Fertility Co., slide on into my DMs and say hello, or you can visit fertilityco.com.au forward slash podcast for show notes and access to all of the freebies that I talked about in this episode. Until next time. Let's talk about TempDrop. TempDrop's wearable sensor and accompanying charting app brings the full fertility tracking solution right to your phone. Wear the TempDrop sensor on your upper arm during sleep and then just sync to the charting app whenever it's convenient for you. 
Tempdrop believes that every woman should be empowered and equipped with the knowledge to take control of their body. Sound familiar? That's where Tempdrop steps in to provide clear science-backed technology to help you to better track your cycle. I only recommend products that I use and love, and I love my Tempdrop tracker. You can get 10% off your tracker with the code AFFertilityCo or head to fertilityco.com.au forward slash Tempdrop for more information.